Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today we're going to talk about the upcoming elections, city elections in Bloomington, Columbus, Terre Haute, and then probably something about 2008. Mm -hmm. Joining me in the studio is Adam Mergusia. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for being here with me today, Adam. Sure. And we have uh, on the phone my old friend John Harmon from Columbus. Yo. Hey, John. And Mark Bennett joining us from the Terre Haute Tribune Star. Good to be here. Hey, Mark. Thanks for coming. If you have questions or comments today, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Well, welcome to everybody. Thanks for, thanks for being here. We have uh, big elections coming up. John, what's going on in Columbus? Well, I, I hesitate to call it big, although it's a <laughs> mayoral race. Judging from the, the primary, we had an em- embarrassing 9% turnout. Uh, and we're trying to whip up some uh, interest in the coming election, but we only have uh, a mayor- the mayoral races contested, although the the opponent, the mayor, the incumbent um, three-term mayor is a, is a Democrat, and the Republican opponent is not like a party candidate. So that's uh, there's not a lot of uh, a daylight on that race. And there's uh, one contested at large. Uh, there's three people going for two seats there, and then there's there is one contested city council race. So we have one uh, you know real hot. A district race in the city. So okay. beyond that, uh, it's not, not much. What's the makeup of the council now and any chance it's, that it yeah, could change? It's, it's been since 95, it's been uh, six to one Republican. Uh, there's a Democratic mayor and a Democratic clerk treasurer. Okay. So, okay. but it, the council's been pretty Republican. Uh, when I came here in 87, it was the other way around. Democrats had the, had the majority uh, on the uh, on, on council. Yeah. Well, th- things haven't changed here in Bloomington. It's been a Democratic council <laughs> since well before I got here, and I've been here forever, as you know. Yeah. Well, our, our mayor is going, you know, for four, four terms, and that's he has uh, accumulated the largest number of votes of anybody in city history, uh, Fred Armstrong. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and he's just a very extremely popular candidate, and he has defeated uh, three solid, you know, pretty well-known uh, people in the in the community: uh, uh, a former county office holder, former sheriff, uh, and a former member of the previous administration, high profile. And and uh, so this year there was just really no, the the party uh, didn't put anybody up against him. We'll get back to some issues with you, John, in a minute, but I want to, sure. get, want to get Mark on and find out what's going on in Terre Haute. Uh, well, we actually have a fairly lively uh, mayoral uh, uh, race going on, and uh, the uh, the element that kind of uh, has, uh, I guess, uh, made it more uh, competitive, uh, because typically in Terre Haute, uh, uh, Republicans don't don't fare very well at all. We've only had one Republican mayor, and in recent uh, memory, and that was a four-year span in the early 70s, uh, late 60s. But um, the the caveat here is that uh, kind of a splinter faction of the Democratic Party is, has has uh, uh, jumped uh, aboard uh, the Republican uh, campaign, and uh, those numbers, uh, at least given from how it turned out in the primary, uh, combined with uh, the uh, the Republican candidate Duke Bennett, uh, his numbers from the primary would seem to at least make it a a, a closer race than uh, than typically a Republican Democrat race would be. Mayor Burke uh, did win uh, fairly substantially in the primary, uh, and uh, and would seem to be a, a clear uh, favorite uh, in the fall. Uh, but we had uh, in 2006 we had a a Republican Republican win uh, the prosecutor's race here, uh, which was a rarity. And so that element is out there for maybe a uh, a disaffected uh, group to uh, to swing things a little bit. Mm-hmm. What uh, are, what are the key issues? Well, uh, a lot of it centers around downtown development and uh, the the. Uh, use of 
of uh, tax incentives and that sort of thing to bring in uh, uh, businesses down here. We've had uh, uh, in in the last month uh, the opening of uh, the new Terre Haute House, which is a Hilton Garden Inn where the old one had stood for decades in, in decay and disrepair. Uh, a lot of people look at that as uh, as a trigger to uh, downtown renaissance and uh, but there are there are people uh, that uh, are uh, uh, just uh, for a variety of reasons uh, opposed to uh, mayor Burke who uh, have uh, that as an issue uh, as as being uh, a, a an unwise expenditure of tax incentives through TIF money and and that sort of thing to bring these uh, hotels into downtown. There there is a Hilton Garden in there, and there is the uh, uh, plan for uh, and partial uh, structural work toward a, a second uh, extended stay hotel across the street. So mm-hmm. uh, in theory, by the end of 2008, we could have two uh, new downtown hotels, which is uh, the first real significant development downtown in, in at least 20 years, and, and in terms of hotels, much longer than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going uh, to I'm going to move to Adam here in a minute, but we have a phone call already, so let's go to Jim. Jim. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I wanted to ask this of um, of your uh, of your uh, speakers on the on the show today. The the current administration is is refusing to answer allegations that they're giving a lot of this tip and, and monies and, and other uh, abatements and so forth to the Gibson family and all their associated companies without, you know, doing any bids on projects and so forth. And now the mayor is refusing to uh, even debate Duke Bennett, the other candidate. And I want to see what their opinion is on all of that. All right. Okay. Which one of you wants that? I could not hear that question. I apologize. Oh, I think that, Mark, I think that was for you. Duke Bennett is... He's running in, uh, in in Terre Haute, correct? Yes, he is a Republican candidate. Yeah, yeah it was a, a question about that and about um, the Gibson family. Okay. Yeah. Are you familiar with that issue? Uh, I well, I'm in what respect? I, I know uh, uh, the Gibsons. Uh, if there's some the, some bidding going or, or lack of bidding going on in some. Uh, the, the caller said that, there, that, that the current administration, I believe, is, is um, uh, allowing some contracts to go to the Gibson County without appropriate bidding, if I, if I heard that question correctly. So you wouldn't debate? Yeah. You wouldn't debate it with other candidates down the campaign, too? Yeah. Um, Are you familiar with that issue? Yeah. I, I'm not sure what angle we're going to – but uh, <laughs> I think – Good center, luck with that one. <laughs> yeah, the central uh, complaint that comes up a lot is that the fact that uh, Greg Gibson, who is uh, uh, a local businessman here and, and you know, probably the most uh, – uh, the person with the most financial wherewithal to, to make downtown projects happen is indeed involved in many of them. He was uh, at the – uh, at the purchase point, uh, when the Terre Haute house, the old one, came down, he uh, was uh, the person who came forward with the money to demolish it, buy it, demolish it, and then it was sold again to the Doras uh, to operate the hotel. Uh, and I think uh, in a lot of, uh, oh, I guess in skepticism, uh, a lot of people think that the contracts for those uh, for that sort of thing uh, happened without uh, any sort of uh, uh, consideration for other possibilities, uh, and it went directly to something that uh, was was somehow uh, prearranged. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor has, has said that's not the case, and uh, and I, you know, I think in a lot of ways uh, those sorts of things would probably uh, inherently come up because uh, you you know when someone that has that kind of uh, uh, wherewithal uh, gets into the process, then uh, those uh, anyone else would uh, would see it as uh, as a sealed deal. Yeah, well, I, you know, your our caller Jim uh, clearly uh, 
thinks that that's an issue that needs a little bit more discussion over there in Terre Haute. So. I've, got a, I've got a question for Mark Bennett before we, uh, we leave Terre Haute okay. um, for the time being. I, I, Mark, obviously Terre Haute has a recent history of kind of running its uh, incumbent mayors out on a rail <laughs> after, uh, after one term, at least in the primary process. Uh, what's different about Kevin Burke? Well, I think uh, if, you know, it's impossible not to be uh, anywhere in the city and not see myriad projects, uh, whether they're infrastructure or downtown buildings or uh, uh, sidewalk improvements, uh, the the bike paths uh, going on. Uh, There is a lot, you know, a lot of that were things that were already in the pipeline to begin from previous administrations and, and, uh, and I think, you know, fairly regularly, the mayor uh, points that out as well. Uh, I, but these things are happening. There were no, you know, stalls and, and roadblocks. What, what the point that comes up, uh, I think, in opposition is that, you know, are we doing too much too fast with tax money that that uh, we've, you know, we've ex- overextended ourselves to try to get all these things going uh, at once, uh, which, uh, you know, is is something that, people should be watching. Um, but the results that, that you see out there uh, were certainly uh, at least uh, in people's minds when the primary occurred and, and the mayor had about 57% of the vote, which uh, broke a long trend back to 1991 of our, our mayoral incumbents uh, losing in the, in the primary. So uh, I, I think what, you know, what fueled his success there was uh, what, you know, you can visually see as you're around Terre Haute. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to I turn to Adam. Adam, it's good to have you here. It's the first time we've shared this, uh, this program. And Mary Catherine's just off today. She'll be back next week. But Adam, you've been following the Bloomington sure. elections too. Um, what are some of your observations about what's happening in the, uh, the Mark Cruzan, David Sabah race and then also the other city council race? Sure. Well, we've got, we've got four contested city council races. Well, three contested and then an at-large race where we've got uh, four candidates for three seats. Um, look into the mayor's race. It, it's interesting. Bloomington hasn't had a Republican mayor in 35 years. Uh, is that right? 1971. Uh, Frank McCloskey was elected. So it was before 1971. All right. Um, so uh, I guess the conventional wisdom is that uh, outgoing District 5 City Councilman David Sabog uh, doesn't have uh, – is not the favored candidate in the race. However, I, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, Bob, for historical uh, context. But uh, it, it seems as though that race has gotten a little bit more attention uh, than perhaps people had maybe – would have thought uh, a year or two ago. Yeah, I think I – think, you know, we had a story which uh, – in our paper about mm. – 18 Democrats that have, have uh, sent out a flyer, Democrats for Sabog, and uh, we've received a lot of criticism about it. That would probably not surprise you, John, because people, <laughs> people are saying, you know, well, it's only 18 out of how many thousands of Democrats are there in Bloomington. Um, but, you know, as I've said to, to our critics, uh, I, you know, I've been here a long time and there's never been an organized group of Democrats who actively supported the Republican candidate in a mayoral race. And the 18 are just the people who put their name on this flyer. I do think that there are others. And as, as Mark Rosanna has pointed out, I'm sure there are some Republicans that support him too. But um, this very um, open act of uh, sort of division within the Democratic Party in the general um, election, often these things come in the primaries. We've seen that sure. before. Um, that seems to indicate that there there may be a little bit more uh, interest or maybe some dissatisfaction with uh, with Mayor Cruzan than his party members uh, than Democrats have have usually had going into a, a fall election. And I wonder, Bob, I wonder if some of the Democrats who are uh, who are dissatisfied with the Cruzan administration really do want to see David Sabag win, or if it's more that they kind of want Mayor Cruzan to win re-election, but not without a scare. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's, it's an interesting question, and, and I honestly don't have the answer to that. I think you know what? One of the ways I've been looking at this race is, you know, what would the city look like with a, a Democratic mayor and eight or nine, <laughs> or a Republican mayor and eight or nine Democrats on the city council? That, uh, of course, John, I could probably defer to you about about how that works in Terre Haute, but in Columbus, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm not sure how well that would work in Bloomington. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the the, uh, the the council races here, as you know, I mean, there are 
there will be a Democratic majority on the council no matter what happens. Sure. If all the Republicans were, were to win, it'd still be 5-4. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's unlikely that all the, Demo- or all the Republicans are going to win anyway. So that, that brings us to one of the, the, the city council races that I'm particularly interested in, which is the District 2 race, where we have uh, uh, Brad Whistler, who's been on the council for about a year, uh, was elected by caucus. Uh, uh, after uh, Jason Bannock stepped down from the seat, um, uh, going up against Jillian Kinsey, a first-timer. Um, and I wonder if... Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks who feel very good about Brad Whistler and have expressed a lot of opinion uh, in favor of him, even though if they're, they're Democrats. And I wonder if... Uh, if looking at the city council uh, meetings, people feel as though that Brad Whistler, uh, regardless of whether or not they agree with him ideologically on any specific point, are attracted to the fact that he seems to ask a lot of really common sense questions at the council and can be kind of a mitigating force on the occasional eccentricities of uh, of the city council. I wonder what you think about that, Bob. Well, you know, I would I came running into the studio about a minute before we went on the air today, as you know, and it's because I was interviewing. Brad Whistler and, and Jillian Kinsey in our endorsement interview process. Mm-hmm. And the interview um, went pretty long, m- mainly because they're such, both such articulate candidates. Sure, yeah. And it was, um, it was a pleasure to sit down and talk with those two folks. They both have a lot of really good ideas for the city of Bloomington. Um, you know, one of the questions that people might want to ask is, well, there, there are a couple things. One is we've had a very... Um, Male city council for a long time. That is so true. the fact that Jillian Kinsey is a uh, a strong candidate and a female could could be attractive to to many voters. On the other hand, we also have a very democratic city council. Brad Whistler is a very articulate Republican council member uh, and candidate, and you know that might have a little something to do with with some people voting, thinking maybe it shouldn't be a nine zero city mm-hmm. council if, sure. if if they're um, thinking on voting uh, for the other Democrats. But um, you know, both of them have a lot of good ideas. Uh, they would both be excellent city council members. So Absolutely. it'll be interesting to, to see how that race works out. I want to I ask – go back to John for a minute because I mentioned that uh, uh, you know, how, how uh, the city runs with a, a person of one party in the mayor's office and a council that's mainly people from the other, the other party. Uh, how's, that, how's that working? It's – well <laughs> – Collaboration is a, a key that is kind of vibrates throughout the community uh, among not only the council but between, believe it or not, city and, and county, between the county and our uh, delegation at the state legislature, and, and on several issues we we work closely with the uh, congressman, and we have uh, Pence and, and Hill representing both both sides of the aisle. So uh, th- I think. The, the idea is that there's there's a concept of where we want to head as far as um, you know economic development and and uh, uh, infrastructure uh, and there's only one way to get that get get to that point and and that's by working together uh, it could be in you know with a six to one uh, margin on city council and that's been pretty set for you know several a decade anyway. Um, and then with Fred being the longest serving mayor and also the most popular, you know, it's they, the council does have the majority, but they know that, that the voters have, have put Fred in, uh, you know, three times and, and heading on a, and a, on a fourth. And he's very, very popular. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. We don't sit here and with, with a, a chalkboard and mark, mark black marks or anything, but, there, there have been an incredible array of, of major issues that that we're dealing with right now. Not the least of which is uh, whether our uh, tax bills are going to go up eight uh, percent, as the assessor says, or twenty four percent, as the auditor says. So there's a lot of people chewing their fingernails. And and our uh, tax bills are in the mail, by the way. Oh yeah. Well, no, fine. not really in the mail. They'll be in the mail next week. Yeah. <laughs> we we had your superintendent here a couple of weeks ago. And- right. Yeah, he told us that the checks weren't in the mail yet. Yeah, it's just, but it, it's 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 an interesting uh, dynamic, and I, there are some veteran 
uh, members of of council and and including some running in this race are a little bit nervous about that because uh, I remember a, a city councilman t- telling me one time that uh, after a meeting he got chewed out by a uh, a person of because this, uh, there was a big expansion at a at a local elementary school and they chewed the city councilman out and he tried to explain diplomatically that that he doesn't really vote on the school stuff. But, you know, so if they're nervous that here's the here's the election coming down right after they get their tax bills, and they're going to be mad, and goodness knows what could happen. Any Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to – I want to talk a little bit more about uh, municipal elections before we – we're going to take a break in probably about five minutes, and then after we come back, hopefully we can talk some about how 2008 is shaping up also because we uh, – you know, I, I, that's going to be interesting on, sure. on a number of levels. But uh, I want to go back to Adam briefly. So what are the, what are the issues that you think are, are this Bloomington City race is going to turn on? Well, what's interesting to me is, is uh, what are not the issues, first of all. And, uh, and one of those is, is property taxes has been, not been the issue here that it is in a lot of municipal races around the state, um, all, despite – although David Sabak has tried to make it so a couple of times. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly why that is other than that maybe – that there isn't much of a dissatisfaction, at least with the assessment process in Monroe County, as there is in other counties. Uh, one reason being that uh, I think if you walk into County Assessor Judy Sharp's office with the idea that your assessment is wrong, you will likely leave with your tail between your legs. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I don't. So obviously, budgeting, of course, comes up. Um, you know, it's interesting because municipal elections, they're incredibly important, but often they come down to very fundamental things. You know, the, the, the bushes are growing over a section of road that I drive or uh, things that seem very, very mundane but really do profoundly affect people's everyday lives. And those are the things that keep coming back again and again here. Yeah. And as you know, I mean, we're in, in Bloomington, a lot of things come before our city council. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion in, in this particular election, uh, you know, the Cruzan administration. Uh, is talking about let's keep Bloomington Bloomington. I mean that's sure. his whole issue or his his main focus is you know quality of life is the economic engine that drives our community and and David Sabah's main focus has been you know on we need better economic development stronger economic development stronger qual- that and that that will we need the jobs first and that will lead to to quality of life. So it's it's kind of two ways to look at the the same thing. Absolutely. Can I, can I ask a question? Sure. sure. If 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 on economic development are they shooting for manufacturing or high tech or are they saying both? Well, they're they're shooting for high tech um, but they're also the the mayor here Mark Cruzan's campaign is that he's expanded the definition of economic development to include you know the arts uh, and culture and and other quality of life kinds of things, which I think is is appropriate in Bloomington. The arts and tourism drive a lot of things here. So, um, so he's he's expanded that. He has added two people to his to the mayor's office, e- people who are in economic development positions for one for the arts and one for sustainability and sustainable business. So, which would encourage small business, I guess. It's, it's small business and sustainable business. So. And, and uh, speaking of sustainability, I think another big issue has been downtown development. Mm-hmm. Obviously, downtown Bloomington has gone through some very visible changes in recent years with the addition of some, some uh, very urban-looking, very large uh, housing complexes that uh, largely cater to students. Um, and so there are some more in the pipeline. And uh, the question is, do we want our downtown to get more urban and more dense and more concentrated, or do we want to maintain that uh, small-town downtown feel at the expense, perhaps, of allowing sprawl to continue in the community unmitigated? Yeah, so yeah, those, those are the issues we're facing here. So uh, you know, is anybody saying, let's keep Columbus, Columbus, or let's keep Terre Haute, Terre Haute? Well, I think there's always that uh, possibility, uh, there, that sentiment, sure. uh-huh. because it's some of this stuff, all of this stuff costs money and costs big money. And again, with the when you don't know what the tax bill is going to be, and there's a lot of people on fixed income that are very nervous about it. But we made a major commitment uh, of going ahead with a, a parking garage, which has been on the agenda for about 30 years, and now it's under uh, now it's under construction. I, I don't know if there's time before the break, but sure. I'd be interested if if uh, you you people can would can tell me what we can expect uh, with our parking parking deck downtown. It's the first one we have, first first garage type 
structure. Well, I want to I want to bring Mark Bennett back in to see if he has an answer for this before uh, I give well, you a few I, comments. <laughs> I, I had to chuckle when you said, "Is there anybody wanting tarot to stay tarot?" I think <laughs> you could ask it in the reverse. Uh, if there are people here that want tarot to stop being tarot uh, on both sides, uh, and I say that in jest, but oh, what yeah, I mean sure. is that uh, a lot of people really want to see the city move away from. Uh, uh, a label of of uh, stagnant, sleepy town, yeah. uh, and and that's on both sides. Uh, there's different different ideas about how to get there uh, and how how quickly to get there. But uh, there, I don't think there's a lot of people, you know, hoping that uh, things stay as they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about the parking garages in Terre Haute? Uh, those are uh, those are interesting uh, qualities here. Uh, one is is about uh, two decades, I believe, old. Uh, and a second one is under construction right now. It's a multimodal facility that will uh, also involve about, uh, I believe, about 50% of the, the spaces for Indiana State University parking, uh, as well as being used for uh, uh uh, bus interchange and and uh, and commercial bus and and uh, in theory taxis and that sort of, that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, and that is uh, underway and, and uh, should be uh, wrapped up next year and that is just to the north of this new hotel and and near uh, Holman Center uh, so the and those uh, if you talk to anybody uh, that uh, deals with parking at Indiana State. Uh, and they would tell you that those are sorely needed, <laughs> and uh, that is uh, that's another uh, 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 chicken and egg thing. The the idea is if there's enough parking down there, uh, then people will come uh, downtown and use some of the downtown amenities more often because they're not uh, searching for places uh, to park, um, and and we'll uh, we could accommodate uh, a. a Small convention, a gathering, things, uh, people coming from uh, out of town to go to basketball games down here, or or uh, the larger events like the NCAA cross country championships and that sort of thing. Yeah, I would say, John, I'm not sure exactly how to answer your question, but I would say parking is a huge issue mm-hmm. in Bloomington. There are the three parking garages downtown now that the city has had some. Uh, involvement in. One of them is is just a parking garage. It was the first one. It's freestanding. It attaches to the Fountain Square Mall downtown. The second one built um, has retail on the the ground floor, and it was specific to have retail outlets where Scotty's Scotty's restaurant is and, and some other things. And the third one is behind the Hilton Garden Hotel and was built as part of that project and, and some apartments. Um, a fourth one was discussed at great length uh, when a company wanted to stay downtown, fine light. Um, but the city has, has opted to go for a parking study, uh, and then they've hired a parking consultant who's trying to determine what the true parking needs are in the downtown area. There's a lot of disagreement about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I recently heard in one of my endorsement interviews, one of the council members was talking about the fact that the uh, early uh, results of the parking from the parking consultant is that, that the spaces are underutilized and that probably we have about another parking garage of spaces that aren't being used uh, now. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's... Uh, I haven't Did you do that. a story on it a couple months ago about whether they were just basically break-even or, or a little short of that uh yeah uh-huh yeah and it's you know it's whether it, you know what 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 we're su- we're subsidizing parking in yeah. downtown bloomington right now so are people going to park in our parking deck i believe they will <laughs> i believe they will i believe uh it's a lovely hike all the way through brown county uh, yeah <laughs> yeah right uh you know i don't know yeah come on over I don't know enough about where it is exactly but but i think that i mean people do park in the in the parking yeah. garages here but sometimes it's it's kind of the last resort you know they'll drive around town looking for a space right next to the restaurant they want to go to if they don't find it right. then well i'll head to the parking garage i'm just a little skeptical because they had one in Richmond when I worked over there, and it wasn't used all that all that much. But I, I think this has got great potential, and, and it's a good sign of a commitment is it, to answer the previous question on on growth and and heading heading into uh, you know uh, an expansion possible period downtown mm-hmm. development. 
Well, maybe it's just that I hang out with so many people who ride bicycles, but uh, I increasingly hear from people amid all the talk about uh, lack of downtown parking is that um, the downtown is clearly thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's indisputable, I think, in Bloomington. And so uh, if you take out the issue of subsidizing the parking, which I think is, is a valid issue and has a, a, some separate implications, but uh, just look at the quantity, um, you could certainly make a legitimate argument to say that, well, if you want to utilize all these fantastic new things we've got downtown, maybe you should just not drive. Maybe you should uh, move downtown. Uh, maybe you, uh, that uh, that maybe the market can just kind <laughs> of... Right. These aren't folks who are usually really big on uh, market driving the uh, um, development, but uh, this is a case where maybe it might make sense in some people's minds. All right. We've hit our break time. Uh, again, I want to tell our listeners that we have John Harmon from the Columbus Republic and Mark Bennett from the Terry Tribune Star. Adam Ragusia from WFIU is here. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. We're talking about uh, the city elections. We're going to move into looking at 2008 after we take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Adam Ragusea from WFIU. And joining us by phone, John Harmon from the Republican Columbus and Mark Bennett from the Tribune Star in Terre Haute. If you have questions or comments today, please email us, noon at indiana.edu. We've uh, discovered that our phones are not working the way we'd like them to, probably because we have uh, John and Mark both taking up these phone lines. No question. <laughs> That's right. So, But you can still email us all, all the questions that you want, and uh, we'll, we're going to be talking about politics here for the next 20, 25 minutes. Well, I want to – unless you have any other uh, city issues you want to talk about, I want to sort of turn ahead to what we can expect in 2008 because I think that's going to be a heck of a year. Sure. I just want to put a, a bench to mention – it's kind of ironic uh, – Mark was talking earlier, the, the two hotels going downtown. We also have two hotels going downtown that the doors are putting in. And it's really going really to have a major impact. And uh, it's an exciting, uh, among the exciting developments that we have going. Are there any, are there any people, <clears throat> uh, you know, poo-pooing those or, or, uh, or uh, questioning why they're being done? Oh, yeah. Any, anything that's any step in any direction, not not to be, you know, sarcastic or cynical. No, I would never think that you would be that <laughs> no way, John. Way. But yeah, there's there's questions. Uh, are we haven't had one down, but we haven't had hotels downtown. But y'all you know, have been down the interstate in both Taylorsville. Uh, the ex, the first exit heading heading south from Indy is just exploded in growth in the last 10 years. It's where the uh, the manufacturers, the outlet malls down there, and then also the 46 exchange here going into into Bloomington. It's, it, there's several uh, hotels, motels there. So uh, this is a major investment uh, by a you know a state company that's that's obviously doing it uh, throughout the state. Uh, and uh, I think everybody's there's there's been a major commitment to support to support that and uh it's a major piece of our overall downtown development including the demise of the commons which you're probably familiar oh, with yeah. uh, uh-huh. uh that's reached about the end of its uh useful uh life and so there's a major change coming up on that so those are things we're looking forward to. We think there are going to be some more hotels in downtown Bloomington, too. There's a, a courtyard and a Hilton Garden Inn. There are a couple of bed and breakfasts in mm-hmm. there. There's been some sort of some hinting around um, by the mayor. Actually, he's, he said there may be some announcements soon. So uh, we'll see what else happens happens here. Adam, do we have an email? We have an email, yeah, before we get away from city elections. This is regarding Bloomington City Council elections. Uh, it says, I've talked to Councilman Brad Whistler after this week's city council meeting and thanked him for the work he's been doing. I've watched him over the past year. I usually vote for Democrats. Even though Brad is a Republican, I perceive that he is not dogmatically partisan. He is open-minded, questions assumptions, listens to opposing viewpoints, and asks intelligent 
intelligent questions. Unfortunately, I don't live in his district, so I can't vote for him, but I know that there are other Democrats who support him because of his progressive thinking. I hope and believe that voters are more concerned with issues than par- partisanship, so I just want to put in a good word for Mr. Whistler, and I hope that he will be able to continue his career as city councilman. Steve Forrest. All right. Well, uh, if we have any Jillian Kinsey supporters out there, sure, yeah, we'd probably, love to get an email. probably send us an email. Yeah. All right. We don't want to be too partisan on this show. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, about 2008, and there are several different levels. Um, I think the the governor's race. Let's start. Let's start with the governor's race. Do you think Mitch Daniels has? Uh, he certainly has done a lot of things. Do you think they've been a positive uh, influence, or do you think he's made enough enemies that he'll have some trouble? Uh, John? Well, I, I think he's def- definitely uh, rolled the dice. Uh, and I, I don't know. It's it's difficult to measure how much the collective memory uh, is of the electorate, such as, you know, the leasing, the, the toll road leasing that, that set off or the the ongoing uh, interstate, you know, privatization of interstates. But he is he's definitely, uh, well, one, one that was... It made major news over here was, uh, if you recall, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles when they were closing the uh, closing the license uh, branches. I right, mean, he, he he wanted to make it more efficient, and it it meant that some uh, some people were going to lose their post offices, and that didn't go over well here at at all. So I know he's he's made he made some men. Again, on the other hand, that's been a couple of years, so whether that's going to still stick, I don't I don't know. Uh, but he has uh, he has been uh, aggressive, and uh, I, don't, I don't think he was out to uh, make a lot of uh, all kinds of friends. Uh, and, and we certainly will find out. Yeah, uh, Mark. How about in Terre Haute? What are you thinking? Well, I you know I think that he has definitely gotten to the point where it's it's almost like a Hillary Clinton thing where you, you're if you. If you like him, you do, and if you don't, you really don't. And uh, so, I, I'm not sure that that uh, you know anybody could fault him for for inactivity at all because uh, he's he's been uh, as and you use the word aggressive. I'd say that's an accurate term. Uh, and in doing anything like that, you'll you'll immediately get detractors right away. And every step he's taken has not been. Uh, just a mild step. Some of them have been hugely out of the box. The the road projects are, are obviously part of that, and and the privatization is something that a lot of people on both sides don't swallow well. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure that a that a uh, you know a, a solid Democratic candidate couldn't uh, work with a whole lot of those and and use them to their advantage and and. And I kind of thought we were in for a wild and woolly ride when he, he announced at his first State of the State address uh, his plan for a 1 percent tax on people making you know, over, over $100,000 in the state. <laughs> I knew that wasn't going to be very popular with a lot of people. But, uh, and, there, and there are other things that, uh, that you know, don't amount to a whole lot, but they, they're enough to tick off uh, a large amount of people. The time change thing was, you know, in, you know, in reality, once it's happened, uh, at least in this part of the state, it's, you know, it's basically a non-issue now. Uh, people kind of hang around and mow their lawns in the evenings now and that sort of thing. Yeah. But for all the tumult that came out of it, you, you wonder, you know, is, well, that, is that, that a real reason to not like him? That yeah. was similar to the parking deck in, in Columbus. We've heard, we've had, we set the league. You probably read this in Guinness <laughs> record book. We set the league on parking studies here and you know, on and on. But, and then what's, it was a circular discussion. Well, that's that's the same way with with the daylight savings. How many years are we going to? And and they they kind of crystallized that that uh, ar- argument or discussion, and uh, it kind of honed in on economic development and and basically made us look like we better do this or we're going to be. And so they did it. And yep. thank goodness for that. I mean, we could or, or else we could. And if I suppose if it doesn't work out, but I haven't seen a whole lot of people complaining, especially golfers and like uh, you know that. It can be changed, but at least least he did it. Got off center, uh, got got things moving. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure that the the, the influx of economic prosperity has has come with it. I think that was I don't know if that was a actual uh, advantage that was being sold to people or if it was just you know this might happen. But uh, 
you know, I, I personally, I, 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 I like the idea of being able to do things in the evening. <laughs> well, I, our, I need to remind our listeners that our phone lines are, are not working today, but you can email us at noon at indiana.edu. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Adam Bergusia from WFIU. And those two voices you just heard were John Harmon from the Columbus Republic and Mark Bennett from the Terre Haute Tribune Star. We're talking about politics and we moved on to 2008 now. We, we were talking about Mitch Daniels. We probably should mention the Democratic side of that uh, gubernatorial race. Or, uh, it appears that Jill Long Thompson has probably got a pretty good shot at getting that nomination. Adam, what do you – Well, the only question there is the issue of uh, a fundraising ability. Uh, the, the standard line on the, gov- on the Democratic side of the governor's race up to this point has been that Jill Long Thompson has name recognition from her past as a as a, as a congressperson uh, from the state of Indiana. Uh, she also uh, was undersecretary of agriculture for four years uh, in the Clinton administration, I believe. Then uh, there's this uh, this architect in Indianapolis, Jim Schellinger, mm-hmm. uh, a man with uh, his own considerable personal uh, resources. Um, and so the standard line has been it's money versus uh, name recognition. But it seems that in whatever polling data has been done so far, Jalong uh, uh, Thompson is coming in uh, significantly ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about Congress because we had uh, – now we've got a couple of different races we have to, to refer to. But it looks like we're going to head into Hill versus Sodrill number four. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, what are you <laughs> – you handicapping that one? Uh, we ran an editorial saying, come on, fellas, you know, let's, let's keep it, let's keep it clean. It, it, that was the, that was the most embarrassing, uh, campaign that I can recall. I mean, in anything. Uh, and the, it, it, it reminded me of uh, one of the early Pence campaigns when he was trying to unseat Sharp. I don't want to get into too much history here, but... But anyway, it was people from not, not from Indiana were calling the shots. We're we're voting on this on this race, but they're they're calling these shots and and putting these ludicrous ads out, uh, uh, blistering you know, blistering the other candidate with with emails and and uh, ads that are you know half half full of truth and half full of distortions. It was just embarrassing, and I just hope that that. Uh, the Hill and Sodro can rise above that and say, let's, let's, let's fight this on our own turf, uh, debate it civilly. And the one that I just got to give uh, Schonsberg, Eric Schonsberg, uh-huh. a lot of credit because he, he if uh, I would just wait in those debates, and I, I went to several of them, uh, just for a breath of fresh air, uh, you know, and he was common sense, uh, a, a, a bit of a professorial, which we don't, we don't only expect, <laughs> you know, and I don't know, I just, I can't say that I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and Schonsberg is in the race again this year. Although it's, it's a lot more exciting. Than, and also, you know, about the, the uh, letter, the emailer, partisanship, there's, there's something to be said for partisanship. Oh, yes. It's not necessarily, and um, this is not good. I don't see this, this election here, a 9% turnout in our primary. 9%, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. I mean, that's, that's uh, <laughs> we need, and uh, well, again, not to dwell on history, but our last city election, uh, it was uh, the Democrats had a full slate of candidates, and as did the Republicans, and it was a very qualified uh, slate, and the, all up and up and down the line, and we would not have been hurt, regardless of who won. Well, they didn't do well; they only won the one seat, and you know, and now I think it, uh, our, our Democratic Party, and they, you know, is hurting. Uh, so, and we don't have the partisanship, uh, and and it would be nice to see that. If only for something else that was mentioned earlier to spark some debate, to throw in some questions, uh, so that there aren't always seven uh, zero or you know six one votes. Uh, it, it's it it just seems healthier, and 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 it, and it from from history, it, it I, I think it is better for, off for the community. Yeah. Bob, I wonder if I could build on that for a second. Sure, go ahead. Uh, just to say that you know, I'm I'm doing this show here with some gentlemen who have been doing this a lot longer than me. Uh, I'm just into my second year here uh, doing this stuff. But what I can tell you is that I've learned uh, probably the most striking thing I have learned in the time that I've been working as a journalist in this community is uh, is how profoundly important 
uh, state and local offices are to the way that people live their lives. Um, and uh, and I wonder if maybe the cable news, 24-hour news cycle has gotten people's heads increasingly into the federal mindset, the global mindset when they're thinking about politics. Um, and if you've only got your mind on the national – you've only got your eye on the national or international ball, there's some other balls that are going to whiz right by your head. And uh, and so many of the, of the decisions that really profoundly affect the way you live your daily life happen in state houses and they happen in mayor's offices and city council and county council chambers. Um, and you know, for better or worse, usually worse, uh, national elections, presidential elections tend to drive uh, the elections that trickle down from beneath them. And I would just uh, – I would say that uh, – I would say that uh, voters out na- out there now have more tools available to them than ever before if they're feeling uninformed to get informed before they go vote. Um, there's you're talking I mean, right near you're listening to uh, people from three newspapers, all of which have archives that you can go and look at online if you want to learn about candidates to make an intelligent decision. Now I, I'll add to that too, and, and John and, and Mark, do you guys endorse candidates? Yes, we do. Okay. We have. Uh, it really depends on the overall on the election, and uh, but we don't. And we didn't for several years. We right. just started about four years. We restarted about four years ago. Well, the reason I bring that up is that this year, for the first time, you know, we are videotaping our endorsement interviews, mm-hmm. and we're posting those interviews. That's great online. And you know, if you go to a, a community forum where there are local candidates, the candidates will get you know, maybe a minute and a half to answer a question and then the other one gets a minute and a half and and there are going to be several different council races. Well, you know, the, the interviews that I just came from, uh, it was an hour with two candidates and we didn't put time limits on questions. We just expected people to be civil and to be fair and they were and there was one, there's one issue in that particular race. It's, it's about um, the incumbent Brad Whistler's vote on the Jack Hopkins Fund, which is our social service fund. And Jillian Kenzie, the the challenger, was able to really quiz him about that and Brad was able to answer the questions and give real longer answers to why he did what he did and Jillian was able to question that and and there was a good back and forth and a good dialogue. So when you talk about – when Adam, you talk about more tools, I don't think we've even begun to see how local news outlets can cover these elections. Sure. We're we're working on that still. Well, what what bothers me is we have just – and as I – alluded to earlier, we have the park index, we have the, you know, the tax issue, we have a major, like a $85 million sewer, uh, $85 million sewer project. We have just a, a issue upon issue. We have, and, and in the backdrop is the handling of the whole immigration issue on locally, statewide, federally, uh, and, and to have the lack of interest, it just is is really a concern. Yeah, but I, I think on the on the other side of that coin, I, I would say to to Adam, you know, as, as you said, we've been at this a long time because we're old and you're young, but um, but it is true that we have more. I believe there are more national issues that are um, really important to people than there ever have been. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at what's going on with with the war in Iraq and, and um, the personal freedoms that seem to be at risk and um, just a lot of the terrorism. I mean, there, there are – and just the fact that the world has gotten smaller and people, uh, people just know more about the world because of technology, that it's made these issues more important on the local level. John, Mark, would you agree with that? I would. Uh, and – uh, I, I, you know, I have to say, uh, I guess we can pat our community on the back. We had a 25 percent turnout in the primary, which that's fantastic. Sounds, All right, yeah. <laughs> sounds small, but let's keep Terre Haute, Terre Haute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, I, I, I think you're right, and there are local issues here that energize people, and and I, I think in particular they. You know, they really, you know, I joked earlier about Terre Haute's uh, not wanting to be Terre Haute. And what I really meant by that is that, you know, just about everybody here wants to see better days ahead. And I think, you know, the things that are happening here and people and things that people hope happen here are what energize them to get out and vote, at least at the 25 percent level in the spring. And and uh, I would I would certainly guess that uh, at least that amount would uh show up this fall if it doesn't rain. I want to ask – yeah, right. Mark, I want to ask you about uh, congressional races in Terre Haute. Brad Ellsworth, is he uh... – Yeah, that that should be uh, – it should be interesting how, how this one turns out. Uh, he'll be running against uh, – most likely the candidate will be a, a gentleman named Greg Good uh, who worked in uh, – 
in the offices with uh, some previous Republican congressmen from uh, for, who were from Terre Haute, uh, and uh, and I would think uh, you know having a candidate from here would help uh, get some of the. Uh, uh, get over the hill in terms of Democratic leaning Vigo County, he may be able to, you know, if he were able to win Vigo County out of the 18 in, in the 8th District, uh, that may uh, may be enough to, to uh, really challenge Ellsworth because it's such a heavily Republican uh, uh, district in other places, and the, Dem- uh, the Democrats uh, dominate here in Vigo County. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Ellsworth won by a significant margin, 69% of the vote over uh, Hostetler last time, and uh, hasn't really done anything to uh, to harm himself so far. He's uh, already, you know, been tabbed the most glamorous person in Washington, and by the Hill, by the Hill magazine, magazine. So, yeah. the sexiest in the Hill. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And so he's got that going for him. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, and, and other uh, things that uh, that he uh, carried through that prime or through that past election would seem to still be there. A lot of the, you know, they call him blue dog Democrats, and and uh, he's, you know, he you strip the party tag away, and he sounds very much like a Republican, which plays well in this district. So yeah. uh, to beat him, there's going to have to be something to hang the hat on because he, he's he's not done anything to uh, to really harm himself yet. All right, I've saved the biggest race for last. We've got about a minute and a half to go, so I'm going to ask everybody uh, who's going to be at the top of the ticket in 2008. Did, uh, you know, no, no, no ducking this question. Just you know, as right now, right now in October of 2007, who do you think will be the the nominees? And John Harmon, you're going to get to go first. Oh, because uh, a good friend of mine's uh, son is working on his campaign, I'd say Obama. Obama, okay. And uh, I don't know, uh, McCain. McCain, Obama. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark? I got to put a plug in for Mike Pence. He's our other congressman. I mean, oh, yeah. It's not oh, just, yeah. You know, he's been very aggressive and done a lot of, uh, made, made, made a big impact. Okay. That's, All right. Didn't mean to leave him out. All right, Mark. I, I personally see a, a good chance that Obama will lead the Democratic ticket, although, uh, uh, a Clinton buy ticket may uh, may appeal to people, and that seems to be a coalition that's already formed. On the other side, I would have to say Giuliani. Okay, Adam, Stephen Colbert at the top of both tickets. <laughs> okay, that's the that's the young vote, and I'll just say uh, Mitt Romney, and uh, I agree with that Clinton buy ticket. I think Evan Buy is going to yeah, be on the absolutely on the ticket. I think so. All right, but we are out of time. As long as you can spell potato. That's right. <laughs> we are out of time. John Harmon from Columbus and Mark Bennett from Terre Haute, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you. And for Adam Ragusea, thanks for being here, Adam. Thank you. Producer Catherine Hageman and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.